Well, hello, and welcome to the Global Founders Podcast, your premier destination for engaging voices that inspire. I'm Neil Piper, Executive Director of the Presidential Precinct, and we're live from the Potter Studio at James Madison's Mount Pillar. Today, we're diving into recent developments in Nigeria, where 82 Chibok schoolgirls were recently released from Boko Haram. This is following the release of 21 girls last October, but it is believed that over 150 girls are still held in captivity. I'm joined by Buki Shanabari. Buki has over 10 years' experience in the social sector, focusing on women's and girls' rights, girl-child education, and humanitarian assistance. Buki is the manager of the Light Foundation, through which he coordinates Adopt-A-Camp, a humanitarian intervention assisting internally displaced persons. She is also a strategic team member of the Bring Back Our Girls movement, advocating for the safe return of the over 270 schoolgirls kidnapped from the Chibok Government Secondary School on April 14, 2014. Buki, I know this has been a fulfilling but also very uh, exhausting couple of weeks. Um, I really appreciate you talking to us uh, this morning uh, following such encouraging news. Yes, um, like you rightly said, it's a very encouraging news. We've been on this for over three years and having um, successes to record at different times, some highs and some lows. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a very encouraging time um, and news for us with the return of the 82 girls. It tells us that we can and we should anticipate for more and expect that the remaining Chibok girls that are still in, a, in captivity and other abductees can still be brought back. So indeed, it's a very encouraging news for us. So Buki, you're one of the team leaders for Bring Back Our Girls. How did the organization come about and why are you so passionate about it? You know, um, Boko Haram has been ravaging the northeastern part of Nigeria for the past eight years. We've been grappling with this insurgency. Um, it has ravaged a lot of communities. Um, a lot of people have been killed. We have an official figure of over 2.1 million internally displaced persons. We have close to a million Nigerians that are refugees in border countries of Niger, Chad, and Cameroon. Um, there are a lot of people that have been killed. Um, education in particular has been endangered in Nigeria because of the activities of Boko Haram. Um, teachers have been killed, students have been killed, pupils have been abducted. Parents now have to make a choice between keeping their children alive and sending them to school. Now, how we got here is that background that I laid earlier. But there were two critical events that happened that launched um, us out. I mean, the Bring Back Our Girls movement. First was an event that happened on February the 25th, 2014, where Boko Haram invaded a school in Boninia, the Yobe state, um, northeastern part of Nigeria as well, and slaughtered um, on broad daylight over 50 boys in that school. Um, they were killed. They were they were like slaughtered like goats in their in their schools. They burnt down the schools. Teachers were also killed. Now this is because Boko Haram 
um, literally means Western education is forbidding. So they believe that Western education is not accepted. They want strict interpretation and application of Sharia law. They want Islamia instead of, instead of Western education. So they target, um, aside from, from administrative officers, they target primarily education. And then April the 14th of 2014, they abducted 276 girls. And looking at that, it tells us that, you know what, these guys are not playing. You know, they are advancing in their modus operandi, in their actions. More people are being killed. We cannot just sit down and watch our children being taken away every day. Even if they are far away from us, the fact that injustice to one Nigerian means injustice to all Nigerians. So we have our own objective to say first, we want all the girls that were abducted to be freed. We want all other abductees to also be rescued. We wanted to ensure that um, there's that conclusion of that issue of the abduction of the girls. But going deeper into the advocacy, we realized that there were other issues. And we took that on as we went on. So while we had the primary objective of calling for the rescue of the Chibok girls, we had to take on the advocacy for the rescue of other abductees that we didn't even know were abducted before. We had to take upon us effective humanitarian care for internally displaced persons and, and, and refugees. We had to take on um, advocating for welfare and improved equipment of our military and generally ensure schools are safe. And that's where we are. We are still moving on and we're hoping that gradually we can um, keep recording success and improvement in this request. Well, Bring Back Our Girls has been in the news quite a bit lately. What have you seen on the ground in Nigeria as these 82 girls have recently returned to their families? So first, let me say that those 82 girls are still with the Nigerian government. They've not been fully released back to their parents. There's a lot of controversy around that because a lot of the parents are wondering why their children are not being released to them. They've waited for so long. And they, they are wondering that, you know, we, we want our children to come, to come back. Now that they have come back, you are keeping them with you. Um, but on the government side, they believe that, okay, it's a, it's a time for them to rehabilitate them, to ensure that they go through some form of psychosocial care, some form of post-traumatic stress disorder care. They go through um, health care. They go through some form of remedial class. And so when we look at that, um, we can say that, okay, with the 82 girls that have just returned, in addition to the 24 girls that have also returned in the past year, the government is trying to take on itself a responsibility that the parents or the Chibo community or even the outside community may not have the technical capacity to take on. But for us as a movement, what we have done is to assist the government by developing um, what we call the verification, authentication, and reunification system. Now, what we, that's what we call VAS, which simply helps the government to verify and authenticate the identities of those that are coming back and to reunify them with their parents. Um, 
what the government has been doing is around security, healthcare, psychosocial support, and vocational skills, remedial classes. But we have now also started advocating for while those pockets of activities are imperative, we need something more structured because this is happening to Nigeria for the first time. But we need a structure that should anything like that happen again, which we cannot outrightly rule out because we don't know the happenstances of life. Should we have another girl come back? Should other abductees come back? We need a structure. And that is leading into the development of what we call the three R system. That's the resocialization, rehabilitation, and reintegration system that captures every different activities that should be done, not just for the 24 and the 82 that has come back, that's 106, but also for others um, that will come back. And that's what has been happening in the past few weeks. Well, I'm curious what the global community or our listeners of this podcast can do to support and, you know, how has the greater community impacted your work so far? You know, when, when this advocacy started, um, it started as a, as a, as a nucleus, as, as a local movement where we, we just came out. We just thought, you know what, it's been almost two weeks since these girls were abducted. They were abducted on April the 14th, 2014. We came out on April 30th, 2014. And we were hoping that, you know, something would be done. And then when they didn't come out, we had the first massive protest that we did here in Abuja, where we went to the National Assembly to say, as lawmakers, we need to have you as the entry point to, the, to other arms of the government to ensure that they put everything in place to bring back these girls as soon as possible. And that, you know, birthed the Bring Back Our Girls movement, as in the hashtag Bring Back Our Girls, where we're like, first, we want them to be brought back, but the hour in that, in that hashtag personalizes it to say, whoever stands up for these girls is understanding the fact that, that it is happening to a Nigerian does not mean I cannot be touched by it. So it means, should it be happening to an American? The same way I would feel empathetic towards it is the same way I would feel empathetic to that girl or to the fact that it is happening to a Nigerian child. So what we did was to just launch that campaign on social media, Twitter particularly. And for the first few days, it wasn't trending, you know, because there were a lot of controversy around it. The government had come out to say they had found the girls. They came out again, the community came out again to say, no, our girls have not been found. And then, so that Ula Balu created some kind of interest where people started asking. But I think the turning point for us was when um, former first lady of the United States, uh, Michelle Obama, also joined in carrying that small placard, bring back our girls. And boom, that launched us into a space, a global space, that I have to be sincere with you, that we did not even envisage. Neither did we plan for, neither were we prepared for it. That launched the world into a time where there was a convergence of art and mind, where nobody remembered that I'm, a, I'm an American, or I'm a Nigerian, or I'm a Syrian Union, or I'm from, everyone just converged because this is something 
that borders on our shared humanity. However, maybe because the media is no longer shining its spotlight on it the way it used to be, there's been a nosedive. You know, we, we, we really haven't seen that escalated form of advocacy, global advocacy on this issue. And one can also understand on the basis of their other issues plaguing the world, there are other issues that the global community and the international community is shifting to and paying attention to per time. Even just tweeting hashtag bring back our girls or just calling our or, or just calling our leaders there to say, okay, what's happening? Or any Nigerian leader that you know comes, you know, engage them in that conversation, write something about it put something on social media, call your government to assist the Nigerian government. There are few things that we can do. We need to ensure this conversation goes on. And my, my closing thought on this would be that, that it is 200 and something girls does not mean that's the only people that we are advocating for. It is just the entry point to the conversation around the, the, the global issue of terrorism and insurgency, starting from, of course, ISIS, Boko Haram, and all that. And I'm hoping that we can be creative, you know, in coming up with little things that we can do. I just simply every day carry a placard and I take a picture, put it on Twitter and Facebook, and people retweet it. Even if it is one person that I've reminded, that the girls are still missing, it is very important. So let's just think of little things that we can do to also join in the advocacy until all our girls have got back. What are some of the things we can do to tackle this broader challenge surrounding girls' education as a whole? You know, I, I would keep using um, Nigeria as an example because um, Nigeria being the most populous country in Africa, we tend to be the orb for the different issues that Africa is, is facing. I mean, there is no, practically no problem any other African country is going through that Nigeria doesn't have it in one form or the other. Now, um, prior to the abduction of the girls, there was this statistics that was released as to how over 10.5 million children in Nigeria are out of school and over 70% of that population constitute girls. That tells us that if Nigeria, being the most populous, has that figure. I mean, even on the global space, we rank part of the top 10 of the countries that have the largest out-of-school children. So that brings on the table the broader issues that girls and women face across the world. I mean, there's the inequality struggle that we are still grappling with. There's the income disparity. There are harmful practices. There is child marriage. There are forced marriages. I mean, several things stand in the way of girls getting education. So what is then important is that first, there has to be security and safety of schools to ensure that children can go to schools. In fact, for schools to be safe, communities have to be safe. Children don't have to. They must not be put in a situation where they have to make a choice between going to school and staying alive. Seeking education or getting education is a human right. It's a fundamental human right. It's enshrined in Nigerian constitution, for instance. 
So when we have an environment that is disenabling, that is not allowing children to go to school, especially girls, it means that we are working against this universal principle of ensuring that all children get, school, get, get to go to school. And then there's also the issue of um, bad governance. What sort of system are we beginning to put in place to ensure that in the next 5, 10, 20 years, we don't have to grapple with the kind of leaders that Nigeria, Africa, and, the, and some part of the world are faced with, such that they deepen these problems that we, we seem to be grappling with all the time. So yes, the Chibok issue opened up a huge conversation around this, but we also want to make sure that the Chibok issue becomes the platform through which we begin to not just discuss the solutions, but to also begin to implement solutions. What sort of policies, for instance, do we need to put in place? What sort of, what sort of accountability metrics or accountability do we ensure from our leaders? What sort of measurement metrics, for instance, would we use to gauge the standardized kind of education that a girl gets? What sort of reporting or feedback mechanism can we begin to get from our leaders so that they can be accountable for every girl child in their country that is not going to school? So that is where advocacy comes in. That is where using our voices come in. That is where making policies and influencing policies, that is where they come in, such that we ensure that this big issue of girls' education as a whole is, is tackled. I, I, I have argued severally that with the tenets of democracy, I don't think like, that Nigeria and some other African countries that claim to be practicing democracy, because with democracy, it reduces the chances of some of these circumstances. So if we are not practicing democracy, what are we practicing? If we are practicing democracy, can we do a juxtaposition between how we practice democracy, the input, the output, and the overall outcomes, and juxtapose it with other countries like the United States, for instance, that seems to be the quote-unquote father of democracy, and begin to do an alignment and do an adjustment to the point where we can move to that point. So yes, there is that big issue, but bit by bit, should everyone take their space and do the bit that they can do, then we can begin to break down this seemingly big mountain. Well, you know, I'll, I'll close with just asking, you know, what is next for you? And, and as well, what's next for Bring Back Our Girls? Um, so quickly on that, um, for me, um, I'm currently um, doing a law degree. I'm currently in school on um, my second degree in law. I'm particularly interested in human rights issues, the legal perspective to human rights issues. I'm interested in humanitarian law. Um, with my organization also, the program we started, Girl Child Africa, we are going, um, we are growing in that as well. We are educating more girls. Um, we are empowering more girls. We are emboldening more girls. Um, in October, we are going to premiere our documentary, our first documentary. We are telling the story of girls' education from the lenses of Nigeria, particularly the Northeast, which is the worst eat. So we are currently shooting as well, going to communities and, and talking to and, and doing filming. Um, so on October 11th, which is the day of the girl child, we are going to premiere the documentary. And we are also going to launch our TV station 
called she tv um she as in e and she so the she part of course is it is an online tv station dedicated strictly to girls and women and it's an educative informative and enlightening platform um to empower the next generation of girls for leadership um aside from leadership learning from those who have gone ahead and also trying to bring a convergence between young girls of now and women who have achieved certain feats. So I am doing all of that, um, and I'm hoping that beyond the activities that we can continue to have results. For the Bring Back Our Girls, we keep growing in terms of strategy. We are looking at strategy again to say, okay, our girls are coming back. What's next for us? Are we folding up after all the girls have got back and accounted for? We are currently expecting 103 girls to be brought back and accounted for. So we continue the advocacy until there is a proper accountability of all of the Chibok girls and all other abductees to the extent that the government can account for. And also to keep calling on the government to ensure proper care of IDPs, to ensure proper rehabilitation of returnees. And we just keep working stronger until we can say, indeed, the objectives for which we came out for has been achieved. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you're launching a documentary. Uh, it'd be amazing if we could find a way to get you back to um, show the documentary here in Virginia and premiere that here and get you to talk to uh, the story and the importance of uh, girls' education. Uh, we'd be very lucky to have you back here at the Presidential Precinct. Definitely. Well, Buki, I can't say enough how proud we are as an organization to know you. This is an incredible work that you're doing, work that really changes people's lives and improving opportunities for young girls in Nigeria. We're really looking forward to welcoming 25 more young leaders, three of them from Nigeria to the presidential precinct in the coming weeks. You know, it's been incredible over the past four years uh, hosting the Mandela Washington Fellowship Program. And I think what fascinates me the most is not what people are accomplishing just individually, but what the entire network of Mandela Washington Fellows are doing collectively. They're clearly pushing the envelope, forcing transparency, creating jobs, and making more stable environments all across Africa. Until next time, I'm Neil Piper, Executive Director of the Presidential Precinct. Be sure to join us next month for our June episode of Global Founders, Engaging Voices That Inspire. Mm-hmm.